building someone's courage, confidence, job skills, communication skills, self-awareness, I, I think that that only leads to further retention and growth. If people see other people in their organization getting professional development, talking about the training they're receiving, that's going to help both internally and externally people realizing this organization cares about my future. Have you ever wondered how a company is able to offer unlimited time off or be a pet-friendly office? Curious how HR leaders manage the well-being of remote or essential workforces? If so, you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Andrea Heron, Head of People for WebMD Health Services, and I'd like to welcome you to the HR Scoop. On this podcast, I talk with other HR leaders to explore the world of unique employee benefits and about the challenges of managing unique workforces, because well-being isn't a one-size-fits-all approach. On the season four premiere of the HR Scoop, Yair and I discuss where many of us started our careers as interns. We talk about how internships can improve corporate culture. Yair gives us a foundational tip for improving or starting an internship program. And lastly, we shift our conversation to career coaching. And for our audience out there, you will want to hear why we are living in the golden age of HR. Welcome back to the HR Scoop, everyone. Today, we have Yair Raymer, the CEO at Into, and we are going to be talking about all sorts of things, including internships and some foundational tips for success, and just really, really excited to get into this conversation. Um, But before we do, um, I would like to just say welcome and um, give you a minute to introduce yourself a little bit so our audience uh, has an idea of what you've got going on. Thank you so much, Andrea, for having me. I appreciate it. So Into is an organization that helps employees and transitioning job seekers develop their careers. So we're an on-demand career coaching business, uh, career technology business, and we work with HR leaders to help them sort of define important career development and career mobility projects for employees in their organization or employees transitioning uh, from the organization. So Pretty amazing privilege to have, especially in this crazy job climate and environment to help people sort of find their pathways and give them that courage and that confidence to get their next step, their next job. It really is such a critical component of the whole employment life cycle. So it's great work that you're doing. So let's start with kind of your work and experience with internships, which I know are top of mind for a lot of companies, loving the pipeline, trying to get new talent into the company, kind of bring up that next generation of employees. But a candidate's perspective of a company can be highly affected by their internship experience. So, you know, what do you think from a corporate culture perspective is a benefit that a company can offer or, you know, how do we attract these interns that we all want and really make our pipeline strong? Yeah. So extremely passionate about internships um, and, 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 and for many years helped lead and run the world's largest internships marketplace, internships.com. I think there's sort of two really important sides of the coin here from the employer's perspective, from the HR leaders or recruiters perspective. There's that next generation of pipeline of talent, exactly what you mentioned, Andrea, which is the cost of hiring someone is so much. Why don't we reduce that by bringing someone on earlier, having them familiarize themselves with our company during a summer, during a semester, and then potentially turn that role into a full-time role post-graduation? Something like seven out of 10 internships turn into full-time jobs with the employer that hires you in a formal internship program. 
So it's a pretty amazing pipeline for talent to reduce the cost of acquiring that talent. But I think there are actually some really great ancillary benefits for an organization. One of the ones I always used to remember, I've hired hundreds and hundreds of interns and interviewed probably thousands, is you know just having that, that youthfulness, that young energy around and that innovation and that next generation, I think really lifts up organizations and has, has them realize like, wow, I'm giving back. This is the next generation in my company. This is the next generation in the economy, in the labor market. So there's sort of an energy that can, that can be surrounded there. And then, and then I think also, of course, you know, there's the ability, if you manage the program right, and you have the resources to put that together, of increased productivity. That's probably honestly third, right? Number one is sort of a pipeline of talent. Number two is sort of what cultural benefits can you get? And number three, if you really do it right, you can get significant you know, work productivity out of, out of these programs. Um, so I would say that's the, that's the employer benefit. And the benefits for the student or the, the intern are, are, of course, numerous, right? Entry point into the workforce. I think there's a misconception that college or university prepares you for a career. I think, I think it does for some, but I think for many, it happens to just be kind of where you are before you have to get a career. And so an internship program really helps get you on a career pathway, on a career track, understand what the workforce is like outside of a classroom setting. Yeah. It's kind of like when you take a math class and then expected that that's going to help you do your taxes down the road. Like, why isn't there a tax class? Correct. It's exactly right. (laughs) Applicability. And I think, and I think, you know, but by the way, employers and colleges are coming together and they're trying to do something about it. They're doing a little bit more workforce skills programs. They're, they're trying to build it. In the last five or 10 years, we've seen some of that. But generally, for most majors and for most classes, you're going to learn much more on the job. You're going to learn much more from your peers, your mentors, your colleagues than you were from the textbook. And so that's what makes internships so powerful. Absolutely. You know, one other thing I've thought a lot about specifically with interns and internships is really using that as an avenue to increase your diversity and inclusion efforts, because we want to make sure that we are giving people of all backgrounds opportunities to get their foot in the door, get that initial experience on their resume, because inevitably you're hired and even the entry-level job wants a year of experience, which if you haven't had an internship or anything you can point to, that's almost impossible. And then you're out from the start. So, you know, I've seen this really be a powerful tool when maybe you don't have a lot of turnover or maybe for whatever reason you're limited or you believe you're limited. We could argue if that's true, but I think that the internships really could be a vehicle if someone hasn't thought of that yet. Absolutely. Another unbelievable benefit, which is looking and seeing at these pools of talent who you can help train, you can help provide their first professional experiences, which not only makes your workforce more diverse, but gives opportunities that sort of spreads, right? It's kind of this octopus where your tentacles from one intern eventually becomes a partner or a vendor or comes back around or refers someone. And it's a super, it's, it's just a great, it's a, when you're surrounded by, you know, an 18 to a 26 year old and, and you see sort of, with their eyes open and, and the world is still, is still this place where, where, which we can conquer. It's, um, it's a nice lift in, in this, in this world of stress and this world of coming out of a pandemic. Right. So it's, uh, it's, it's got other benefits as well. Absolutely. It's like when you get to do new hire orientation, everyone is so excited to be there. They don't, you know, have any baggage or, you know, any history before it really is kind of yep. invigorating to be around that. Another thing that I've been thinking about lately, because as people are going back to a physical office or starting to return to a physical place, 
And then also layering in internships, a lot of these, especially young folks, may have never worked in an actual office place together. And so that is going to be a whole learning curve that I'm not sure anyone is really thinking about or prepared for. Has that come up anywhere for you know in your perspective? I mean, not not with the not from the internships piece, but absolutely from speaking with HR leaders all the time. So I think yeah. um, it is the number one thing on HR leaders' minds in the last you know, a few weeks and months, which is this sort of flexibility is, is a key theme, I think, for 2022 and return to the office versus productivity out of it. But I think you're exactly right. I never even thought about that until you said it now. You know, you have these students and graduates who, who potentially their first job or their first internship has all they've known is virtual. Whereas for 15 or 20 years, I've been writing on whiteboards my whole life and going out to right. lunch with people and like smiling and talking. And now I've been the sad one hanging out in, in, in my room by myself. Right. And now people have that op- opposite experience. So yeah, I mean, I think it's a huge, I think it's a huge benefit to, to, to bring that energy back just generally for roles that it makes sense and for organizations that it makes sense to have those physical or hybrid, hybrid approaches. But absolutely. I mean, it's, 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 um, it's mind blowing to think about it. I mean, in, in the same way that when you're, you know, you're, you're graduating from university, your first job, if it's at, in, in the pandemic, because you've never met your colleagues before. Right. So there's certainly a lot of change and certainly a lot of benefit that can come. You mentioned sort of the new hire onboarding or orientation. So much connectivity can come and just realizing that we're all humans can come from these these shared experiences, you know. Um, and I think that's that's one of the great positives of, of at least spending some time back together. Even if the work remains virtual or full time in your role or at your company, some level of a summit, some level of an in-person lunch or a happy hour, or a team meeting or an onboarding to kind of remind ourselves of the humanity of, of, of our colleagues is, is a pretty critical thing, I think. I agree. And we are social creatures and some of us need more of it than others. But no matter how much you need, it's all going to be a little awkward at first. And I think we need to um, just be open about that because some people are on your team you've worked with for a year and a half or whatever. At this point, you've never seen them in person. Um, that happened to me recently. I got a group together for the first time in over two years, and it was incredible just to even be in the same room and brainstorm. So I know we're getting off topic a little bit, so I'll bring us back. Um, sure. But you know, when we're starting to think about either having an internship program or improving one maybe we already have and, and got sidetracked over the last couple of years. Do you have any just kind of foundational tips that would help people be more successful? Yeah. I mean, I think the the foundational tip from an HR leader's perspective is really make it functional and use your managers. Really make it functional and use your departments. Um, don't create one for the sake of creating one and, and having you, you know that, that be a pipeline of talent that's generic really see, is there a specific project? Is there a specific group? Because I think that will make it much more fulfilling for your employees that are there full-time. So really bring, you know, bring that in from a two-way street perspective, um, rather than just having one for the sake of creating one to kind of nurture, nurture future talent. So, you know, really be, be, be directional about that and put those, put some of those frameworks in place, utilizing your teammates who might be experts in a certain marketing function or sales function or manufacturing, whatever it might be. And, have them sort of build it up. I think they'll feel just as excited about about the fulfillment on their side as the intern will 
because they're part of the, the the people who put it together. Yeah, that's a great tip. And it also makes me think if there's someone that may want to stretch opportunity into a supervisor role or you're considering moving into that type of position, maybe supervising an intern or playing a stronger role in that experience could be a great stretch opportunity for someone on your team. I love it. And it's exactly, it's, it's reminding me of a story of exactly right. something that I did with one of my first ever hires. She was and is still a dear friend of mine, amazing marketer, and that was her first managerial role, right? So we said, Cynthia, you're, 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 you're doing amazing here. You're running our marketing automation, our email marketing, content marketing. You should be a leader and, 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 and build, up, build up our internship program and hire and recruit and manage and um, have weekly one-on-ones. And it's sort of early in her career, it was, it was managing six, eight, 10, 12 people over the summer, you know, after only being out of school for university for two or three years herself. So they went back to their universities or colleges at the end of the summer, but that was an unbelievable stretch assignment. So I never even thought about it at the time, but it's super, really, really, really great potential benefit. Absolutely. All right. There's a tip for you all out there. (laughs) All right. So I guess shifting a little bit into your current venture that I know does a lot of things, but one of the larger focus is career coaching. And, you know, that is such an area that I think is beyond what even HR professionals who may coordinate those groups even understand what really happens aside from maybe a, a resume review, which there is certainly value in, but kind of what are some of the main goals or drivers for people opting into career coaching? I think people, you mentioned it earlier, some people need more community, some people need more social interaction as social creatures than others. I think the main benefit that's realized and what people sort of maybe instinctively realize is they're yearning for career pathways, they're yearning for interaction, professional development, and even just to be offered something from your company, even if what that offering is ends up being great or only good or even below average, even the potential an organization is giving me something to better my career, to get some courage and some confidence is almost like a basic need that's being fulfilled. Like I'm being heard that, that I can move to the next, to the next step. The way I think about career coaching sometimes is I'm a huge analogy person is sort of the way I think about being supported by others in our life outside of work. So we have doctors, we have personal trainers, we want to get in shape we have financial advisors. You spoke earlier about taking a math class and doing your taxes. We have accountants, right? Instructors, therapists. And it's pretty crazy because the one thing that we're doing for 40 or 50 hours a week, we don't have one of these built-in support systems there. And that's our career and that's our jobs, right? So I think when that light bulb goes off for someone where they can have someone who's there walking through Step A, step B, step C. How do I get from role A to role B? How do I speak more confidently and communicate more confidently with my team? How do I learn to internalize feedback better, um, grow or lead? Leadership coaching and training is, is, is a pretty big part of what we do. So, um, so I think those are the big benefits, which is there's someone in your corner that's neutral, that's not judgmental. You could talk to your friend, your family member, your spouse, even your boss, a mentor, but this is a neutral person that has this pattern recognition where they've done this with hundreds or thousands of people and they can sort of provide you with non-biased sort of a framework to to better yourself in, in the role. So once people have that first coaching session, um, that take that first assessment, they realize, wow, I can I can be curious and and, and um, 
can come out of uh, some self-awareness. That sounds like something really most people could benefit from. Just having anyone to talk about those things with is is pretty rare unless you seek it out or you have a professional network. And there, there are good groups out there, but I mean, that really is a a service that I think is more broad and deep than most of us kind of realize. I think that's right. And I think, um, unfortunately, historically, most organizations have only provided career coaching to high performers or executives or leadership training or on retreats. It's been expensive. And or to unfortunately for low performers to turn it around. It's a management issue. You're not doing well. You're not a great you know, manager, whatever that means, however we've been able to quantify that. But the really amazing thing, the power of technology is that we can democratize that, right? That's what we're trying to do it into. We're trying to say you can be an entry-level first-year accountant, HR generalist, recruiter, or you can be CHRO, a VP of HR, a director of HR, wherever you are in your role or in your career, excuse me, you can benefit from these conversations, which have typically only been reserved for more, more senior or managerial um, roles and organizations. So we're trying to expand it. We're trying to have organizations believe that they should provide it to everyone. It will take time. But I think with the importance of sort of the whole human and especially coming out of a pandemic and the need for people to feel comfortable, have a support system, have that self-awareness, I think that we're just going to see more and more companies have this as a must-have instead of as a, a nice-to-have benefit. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as I think the the war for talent, the market is hot, you know, there there are benefits and perks that are going to set different companies apart. And so this could be, you know, an interesting thing to consider when, you know, you're looking at your, your budget and what you're offering and who you're offering it to, you know, to your point, if you only have so many dollars then yeah, you probably want to target your high potentials or your succession plan. But if, you know, if we're able to make it more accessible or just spend our money differently, that could really be a value add to the individual more than probably a lot of other benefits that are offered. Uh, totally right. And I think the cost of replacing someone who left not for salary, but for a career pathway or lack of training or lack of professional development, it will pay off significantly if you provide them that career pathway and training and professional development. So yeah, I think it's um, it's something that I'm really happy to see more and more HR leaders prioritize and something that especially as people are working from home for the first time in the last two years and than they ever have before. How do they manage their communication? How do they manage their productivity, their stress? And I think there's so many topics now that um, that people need help with. And if an organization says, we hear you, we're providing these, you your loyalty back to that organization will, will increase. Yeah. So we had a previous guest who discussed the benefit for companies with employees who helped them build, promote, or understand a strong personal brand that also kind of overlap with their professional brand. And there was some concern around, is there a perceived conflict there? Am I just going to promote this person so that, you know, out in the world so they can leave and get a better job? So have you seen anything like that as you build people's skills and confidence that they are on a one-way ticket out or the opposite where it becomes more valuable to the business and they feel it may be a greater sense of loyalty? Yeah, I mean I think if you're on the way out, you're on the way you're on the way out, right? I think I think an organization has to put in a great team, you know, great challenges, great professional career pathways. So building someone's courage, confidence, job skills, communication skills, self-awareness, 
I, I think that that only leads to further retention and growth because then they can see a career pathway and a career track and they've, they've been, they've been trained there. So on the personal brand side, I mean, I, you know, I think, I think it's, it's, it's really interesting. I think it's, it's really cool when companies help individuals sort of build up, build up their personal brands because it shows that your brand is, has humans behind it instead of just a corporate, corporate logo. And um, if you trust your team and your people, people from a recruitment perspective will realize, wow, there are people here. And so it actually will attract more people there. I actually think career coaching works in a similar way, which is if people see other people in their organization getting professional development, talking about the training they're receiving, that's going to help both internally and externally people realizing this organization cares about my future. So there's going to be the rare situation where someone gains something here and moves on. But overwhelmingly, the majority will um, will have a mutual benefit to the company. Yeah. And to your point, if someone really wants to make a personal decision for a change, they're going to do that either way. But there's not that doesn't take away from the value and, and the benefit of all the things that we do to keep our employees satisfied. Exactly. Um, I'm, I'm curious then on a similar vein, you know, what do you see the role of the human resources or people function in the protection and promotion of the employee brand? Have you seen that shift throughout your career? It, this is something I'm super passionate about because I got my, my career started sort of in the marketing side um, where I was a marketer and and helping build, you know, brand brands or startups. And I view HR actually with an unbelievable responsibility around marketing. I view HR with an unbelievable responsibility of being the steward of of an employer brand. I think that, you know, HR, and I've been working in kind of HR tech or ed tech for, for 10 or 15 years, at first was viewed much more in the box, at least at the beginning of my career, 10, 15 years ago, much more about benefits and programs and compliance. But now it is the most strategic role in an organization from a people perspective in terms of attracting retention, the great resignation. So um, it's been an awesome shift to watch, I think, especially with remote work. I mean, now if you're an HR leader, how do you manage communication, collaboration, and culture remotely? You're one of the most important people in the whole company, right? The CEO has to figure that out. the, The HR leaders have to figure that out. So, um, so, and you see more chief people officers and CHROs now in the boardroom on board seats, becoming CEOs. So massive, massive shift, I think for me in the last 10, 15 years, working with HR leaders, seeing their importance within the organization, rightly so sort of develop and increase, but yeah, you are the, we are the first line of defense. HR is the first line of defense for anyone coming in or leaving the organization. So that is a pretty amazing responsibility. And we shouldn't take it lightly. And so we need to um, we need to do everything we possibly can to showcase the, our company in that in that best way. Yeah, I I agree. There has been just a monumental shift in the importance of HR from a leadership perspective. I think um, it's always been important, but you know, for better or worse, we are all now subject to the whims of social media posts, you know, glass door reviews or whatever reviewing tool. And so how we treat people in the interview process all the way through the employee life cycle to offboarding and how that is handled matters now more than ever. I mean, people are so used to reading reviews before they go to a restaurant, before they book a hotel. I mean, before we do anything, we're, we're crowdsourcing what we can expect our experience to be. And so that's another area that I think will be interesting to see how it evolves and how we get more strategic and market, you know, around that brand 
for the whole life cycle, not just while someone's on the payroll? Yeah, I think so. Here's what you hit on hit on the head, Andrea, I think, which is really cool. 10 years ago, let's just say roughly 10 years ago, 2010, 2012, I think if you searched on LinkedIn and you typed in employer brand manager, that job or that role or that title, you wouldn't find anyone. Two years ago, two, three years ago, let's just call it 2019, 2020, you'd probably find about 2,000 results because I've tracked this over the last 10 years. And now if you search for employer brand manager, role, job, number of people on LinkedIn, open positions, 8,000 employer brand managers out there Mm -hmm. on LinkedIn, okay, in terms of results. So HR is marketing. HR is reputation. HR is that that Yelp review. You're not going to take your your car to the mechanic with a one or two star Yelp review. You're going to take it to the four or five star Yelp review. And you're not going to apply to work at the company with a one or two star glass door review, right? Um, or comparably, right? And so, so I think it's a really, it's a really cool maturation, but it's also one where, okay, we are being measured by these KPIs. There are these review sites. There are things that are intangibles like referrals and word of mouth, but then there are things that are public for everyone to see like Glassdoor. So, so we better get it right. We better get it right. We better have our onboarding processes, right? We better have our employee engagement and, and, um, creative element processes, right? And we better treat people right on the way out, right? Provide them outplacement or severance or, or some help if we have to let them go. So I think, um, yeah, it's, it's sort of the golden age of influence of HR in my mind. I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> You're leading no, it, so. you know, and all your listeners I, are too. We we are trying to be the change we want to see. And one thread that kind of feels like it was running through this conversation and, and many others really is flexibility and being authentic and genuine and just being a person. Like we have to let people be people. And it just keeps yeah. coming up because the world shifted. Everything is different. But what's not different is that we're all still just people doing the best we can. Uh, that's exactly right. And I think, um, you know, one of the things that we've tried to do in the last year or two at Into, we've put all of our career coaches through a certification, a training program on coaching during the pandemic in stressful situations. Because what we saw was people have changed in the last year or two, and they're more anxious and they're more stressed. And we've seen that in the HR market as leaders with the explosion of, of telehealth and mental health, which is amazing, and kind of removing the stigma and creating technology and programming around that. But um, so we sort of approach career coaching from kind of a whole human perspective where we say, listen, you know, we're more than just our career wellness. We're, we're social, physical, you know, mental well-being, stress, change management. So um, it's, yeah, I think it's, 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 a, it's a really important reminder uh, for HR, especially in a fast-paced envir- environment. To, to make sure that we keep that those core principles for all of our employees, especially if we're not touching and seeing and being able to be with them every day around the cubicle like we were, how, how do we how do we you know manufacture those moments? How do we create those check-ins over Zoom or over a call, right? So um, I think that's that's going to be one of the, the biggest challenges in the coming years for companies. Absolutely, and we're all gonna figure it out together as we go. Um, and speaking of people, you're a person. And at the end of all of my episodes, I like to ask a very humanizing question of my guests, which is to tell us something about yourself that most people don't know. Do you have anything good for us to share? I think um, most people wouldn't know 
that I switched schools in first, second, third, fifth, and sixth grade across two different countries, three different states. And so there were certainly some downsides to the experience. But I think for me, when I look back on it, you know, 30 plus years later, 30 to 35 years later, I think it helped me relate to people and understand different cultures and try to be as self-aware as I can because I make a lot of mistakes and I try to learn from them. And so I think meeting different people and having to put yourself out there more and having to, to communicate is, was probably a long-term benefit of so many, so many switches. But that's something that probably many people don't know. Why would they? I didn't stay in one place the whole time. I, they probably don't, don't even remember me anymore, right? Because I moved, moved around so much. But I'd say that's probably one that, that very few of my, my colleagues or, or even some of my, um, my friends sort of from adulthood uh, wouldn't, even, wouldn't, wouldn't know about my childhood. That's a lot of moving and a lot of making of new friends. And, you know, little did you know, it was probably preparing you for your career and how to help other people do transition and, you know, find their way when they're uncertain. So funny how that works out. Yeah. The buddy system is real. The buddy system helps. If you're, uh, if you're a parent or if you're a child and you went through to a new school or a new place, HR, onboarding your first day, having a planned schedule, you know, that's, that really is helpful. And so, um, so it's, it, it helps when you're joining a new company and it helps when you're joining a new, a new school or making a move, move as a kid. It's having a support system. Yeah. I feel like we always remember the people we onboard with. I still remember the people I went through my first day orientation with, and there's some special kind of bond in that, in that new buddy. So that's another great tip. All right. Well, thank you again so much for joining us here on the HR Group. It was a pleasure to talk to you. I think our listeners got many, many takeaways and it was uh, really great. So thank you for coming. Thanks for having me, Andrea. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the HR Scoop podcast. Please take a moment to rate and subscribe on Spotify, Apple, Google, or directly at webmdhealthservices.com slash podcasts.